Want to get the edge in your Premier League betting predictions? Pinnacle delved deeper into the data behind all of the Premier League matches every single game week. We combine Pinnacle's sharp betting markets with the game's latest analytical metrics to help you find value in the odds. This is EPL Insights. Welcome to EPL Insights for Game Week 16 in the Premier League. Gareth Wheeler, Jake Osgathorpe back with you for another week of prognostication and prediction. Uh, we did not have a podcast for the midweek fixtures, but we'll cover as much as we possibly can, provide you our feature five. We'll go rapid fire for the rest and we'll feature our best bets of the week. Jake, how are you? It seems like a lot of football has been played since last time we chatted. Yeah, it has. Um, a lot of good football, though. It's been enjoyable. You know, usually midweek slates can be a bit of a damp squib, can't they? Because everyone's tired, games after a couple of days, especially the teams that are in Europe playing midweek, weekend, midweek, you know, it catches up with you. So, yeah, we actually got some good football, um, entertaining matches, which makes the midweek slate and the work involved around it just, you know, easier to accept and enjoy. A damp what? A damp squib. Squib. Okay. Yeah. I, I, no idea. Well done. I think you said. I, I don't know what it means. It's just, first, it's just I'm like, saying, aren't yeah. all squid actually wet because they reside in the water? <laughs> so, uh, so we didn't make picks for the midweek fixtures, but we did last weekend. I'm coming off a really positive weekend. We called it a bounce back week because we both struggled in game week 13. Five wins for me, a half win as well, and just two losses, which happened to be the City and Liverpool game, which I was backing the favorites, and they uh, neglected to give me what could have been a near-perfect week from my perspective. So where do we stand in terms of what happened in Game Week 14 and where we stand overall? Um, yes, we learned quite a bit, I think, from Game Week 14. Um, not about Manchester United or Chelsea, because they just, for whatever reason, throw up random performances here and there. There's no consistency, but, you know, we, we, we learned that Liverpool are going to continue scoring a lot of goals. Um, we learned that Manchester City are still defensively frail uh, and, you know, are potentially vulnerable in this title race with Arsenal in particular, um, a team that, that could go one better than last year, but also that Villa are properly legitimate. I mean, the performance against Manchester City in midweek was unbelievable. Um, to concede just two shots in an entire 90 minutes of football against the Pep Guardiola team is um, phenomenal, really. I mean, I don't think anybody expected that to happen. And uh, obviously to create over 2XG uh, at the other end as well and win the game fairly comfortably was very impressive. And, and leapfrog City. And, you know, they, they've got a big game we're going to talk about this weekend as well. Um, I think if they beat Arsenal this weekend, do we start to look at Villa as a title contender? Um, I don't know. I don't know if I will. I don't know if I'll trust them in the long run, especially with Europe midweek. But they are, they're not going anywhere anytime soon. And we touched on it last week, didn't we, in the podcast with a little segment on Villa. They are so not I was going to say, we properly highlighted and featured Aston Villa on our podcast last week. Just yet another reason to tune in on a weekly basis. But <laughs> I mean, they're perfect at home. They haven't lost yeah. in 14 straight Premier League games at home dating back to last season. A run that equals a run back in 1931, which I had the footage of that season on my smartphone. I, I, I took it at that time. It's, it, it was a brilliant <laughs> year. But uh, here we are. Villa had a, a city. And what's even crazier is is being panic stations in terms of everything at Manchester United. At least that's a perception. They're only three points back of Man City for fourth place. 
Meanwhile, Ow. Arsenal are atop the table after pulling off a 4-3 absolute thriller victory over Luton Town away at the death 90 plus 7, even though there's only six minutes of stoppage time. I digress. Uh, but a lot's going on here. And uh, once upon a time, not so long ago, it was a matter of when City kind of take off and create separation between them and the rest of the field. It's just getting murkier by the game week, isn't it? It is, yeah. Um, and again, I don't want to be that guy that's banging the city drum and the fact that they probably are going to come good and win the league. But it is trending towards that just purely because, yes, they've not won in four, but they've also played, you know, Chelsea away and then they played Liverpool Spurs Villa, which is a really tough stretch. And it's something we touched upon earlier in the season that they had an, they had an easy start and then it was going to get trickier. Um, and they have tripped up throughout this tricky period, obviously with the defeat to Arsenal before that three three win streak. Um, but yeah, they're still missing key players. I mean, De Bruyne is going to be out still. He should be back, I think, things back for the Club World Cup, um, which is a couple of weeks' time. Something else they have to juggle, in fairness. Uh, but Rodri is going to be back for this weekend. Stones is nearing full fitness. So they are starting to get back to a full complement. Obviously, Kovacic has been out for in, a while with injuries, slowly build, building up to starting. Um I'm not saying that they're going to... I think that the price is probably at a point where you do look at it like we did last season and go, well, that, that is tempting. You're minus 110 now on Pinnacle. Um, they were very a lot shorter than that a couple of weeks ago. It, it does. I'm getting deja vu, actually, from last year. I was having the same conversation. I think they were a little bit bigger at one point. I think they were in the plus number when Arsenal had an eight-point gap at one point, but we are getting to that territory. Well... By the way, no sympathy on City missing a couple players. It's been no kind of uh, personnel crisis or squad crisis like you've seen at United or Newcastle or Spurs, teams that have really been affected by players not being available. It's been De Bruyne, and then players have kind of come in and out. Listen, Pep Guardiola decided to play, what, six defenders at Aston Villa? He had Kovacic, Nunez, and Phillips available off the bench. Like, if this was any other manager, just say he was managing the side on the red half of Manchester, he'd be absolutely shredded, torn apart. But because he manages City and they won the trouble and all kinds of good reasons like that, uh, he's relatively immune. By the way, on Pinnacle, the future market, Jake touched on it. City are still the favorites at minus 110. Arsenal at plus 275. Liverpool at plus 350. And Aston Villa at plus 2500. Um you're still looking at City to be maybe providing the value to that group because I'm still looking at Liverpool at plus 350, and I can't believe that they're that far out. I mean, Arsenal's been solid. You can make the case that you know maybe they should be a little bit smaller, but Liverpool is the one for me that jumps off the page, and it's not Man City right now. Yeah, I mean, at the at this moment in time, <clears throat> I probably wouldn't advise a a play. Um, I mean, personally, we're in a fairly decent position. I, I backed both Arsenal and Liverpool this season, um, obviously at bigger prices than what they currently are, which is going pretty well. Um, yeah, the, it is just... I, I think that we are getting, like I said, towards the territory of Man City being too big, given what we see every season from them in the back uh, in the back end. You know, they, they tear off 13, 14 game win streaks when it gets to February uh, and no one catches them. And, and I wouldn't be at all surprised if they do that again. Um, it is always, I, I wrote in, in my preseason preview that it is just a case of 
will they give Arsenal or Liverpool too much of a head start that they can't overcome? Um, and I know they were at the top of the table a couple of games ago. They've had this tough run. They're now, uh, is it four points behind um, behind Arsenal? So they, they've, they've given them already, oh, sorry, six points behind. They've given them six points of a head start now uh, and, we're, and we're through 15 games. So if that gets to 10 and 12, then that becomes a, a big, big challenge for City to overcome. But as, I think as, if they can keep it within nine, get through... Um, through the the Christmas period, which is always busy and throws up some weird results, then I still think that City are the team to beat. And like I said, that price is getting closer to where I would recommend pulling the trigger on a pro City bet. Very good. Uh, By the way, the futures plays, uh, if you have a good lean or good feel about what a side will be at the beginning of the season, this is why you lean in. I got Villa on pinnacle over the season total of 58.5 at plus 102. Looking they're nearly there, aren't they? Right. Yeah, they, it, it feels <laughs> like they're within touching distance. And I have the over on two other teams that are trending in the right direction in Fulham and Bournemouth as well. So we'll see. Uh, th- these are the things that you watch on a week-to-week basis, see progression, see regression, and you kind of ride that little bit of a roller coaster. But things, I, I just, right now, the, the other thing, Jake, really quickly, it seems like there is a bona fide, legitimate top eight right now of sides who on their day can go out and beat anyone, even above them, around them. There's eight teams that I'm kind of looking at right now. Then there's a mushy middle of about five and the rest are just, they just kind of pick up games against one another. They're really out of the conversation. That's kind of the way that I'm looking at it. Not sure if that's the way that you're looking at it as well. Do you go down to eight? Is there others that you include? Chelsea's not part of that group for me. They're just too young, too unreliable. Um, for me, they've proven that way. Uh, how are you looking at the table right now? Yeah, very, very similar. Um, it's just the same top eight as last season. I think that they look the strongest eight sides. I do think that there's probably the, the top four are teams that I would look at back in every week at this moment in time. Spurs, with the injuries that they've got, maybe not. And then Man United, I personally wouldn't back them any week. Um, I've just not seen enough from them on a consistent basis. Uh, and the same with Newcastle. If they had a few more players fit, then I, I back them every week at home. But then, you know, they, they could be a serious threat for top four again if they get players back. And yeah, Brighton are just chaos at the moment and anything can happen in their games. But yeah, I agree in terms of below that, it's just a bit of a, you know, fighting for two top half spots between West Ham, Chelsea, Brentford, Fulham, Wolves. Um, maybe Bournemouth can squeeze into that. And then, yeah, you've got well, you've got four teams that are properly cut adrift at the bottom, haven't you? And, and the likes of Nottingham Forest and Crystal Palace, just hoping that they can get enough points, which they probably will. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a very segmented Premier League table, even at this early stage. I'm just going to take a quick awkward sip out of my Manchester United mug right here. Uh, yeah. What does that taste like? Oh, victory. Okay, uh, let's deal with that. <laughs> Get straight into game week 16. Uh, there are two fixtures that haven't been played yet on Thursday. We're recording this before those games take place. It's Everton, Newcastle, as well as Spurs and West Ham. So let's dig into our feature five. And let's start off with 14th place Crystal Palace taking on second place Liverpool. Palace, a 2-0 home loss to Bournemouth. They were came away with a 1-1 draw, thankfully giving me the cover in game week 14 on the weekend against West Ham. Have it one in four, no clean sheet in four, no wins in five at home as Roy Hodgson feeling some pressure 
There's been players coming in and out of his side, but they certainly haven't looked the outfit that they did when he took over last season or even the team that started this Premier League season. They've just won five points from their opening seven home games this league season. How poor is that? And they failed to score in four Premier League home games this season. They had the second worst home expected goals at 8.47 in seven games and six home goals. Uh, only Everton has fewer. Still, they have the seventh best expected goals against overall. Is a question mark again? Who knows what his status is? Uh, Mitchell left the game midweek and had to be replaced. Also, a very difficult schedule upcoming. After Liverpool, they play City, then Brighton at home, then Chelsea away, then Brentford at home, then Arsenal away. Wow. This is a difficult stretch for Crystal Palace. For Liverpool, a 2-0 away win at Sheffield United. The Shobosly goal, 90-plus-4, sealed it. Uh, it was a little bit more tricky than what may have been advertised playing against a side that had just sacked their manager. A 4-3 win over Fulham. Nothing came easy on the weekend as well. Goals to come from behind to win that in the 87th and 88th minute. Um, suspicious refereeing. I'll leave that alone. Liverpool pull it off as they always win at Anfield. They're undefeated in eight in the Premier League. They've scored at least one in their last 32 games in all competitions. Liverpool haven't lost in five in all competitions. Yet, away from home, it's been a bit of a struggle. Three, four, and one away on the season. 13 goals scored, nine goals conceded in the league, and a 14.22 XG to a 12.48 expected goals against, according to Understat, which is only the eighth best. Uh, Joel Matip, ACL, he is out. McAllister left the game with a knock. Of course, Jota, Allison, among others, who remain longer-term absentees. Head-to-head, they played to a nil-nil in a 1-1 last season, but Liverpool haven't lost to Crystal Palace in 14. So here we go to kick off the weekend, um, Saturday fixture. What, what what do you like here? Palace and Liverpool. Uh, what do I like? Nothing. Um, yeah, th- this is a game where I look. I just look at all the markets and I think the, they've got it spot on. I think Pinnacle have nailed it. Um, I think the, the minus one is probably where the line should be. I'm not confident enough in Liverpool away from home, no matter who they're playing to kind of pull the trigger on uh, on that handicap, the goal line, that's where I expect it to be, 2.75. Uh, both teams to scores, minus 133, which I was looking at because Liverpool away from home do concede a lot of chances, probably a little bit too short. Um, so, yeah, while I think Liverpool are going to win, do I have confidence they're going to do it by a couple of goals? Not too sure. And you mentioned the the big run of fixtures that the Crystal Palace have got coming up. Roy Hodgson's a man under pressure. They were booing him, or not just him, booing the team. Um, after the performance in midweek against Bournemouth. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's one of those weird situations at Crystal Palace where they're just kind of existing in the Premier League. They're not really doing anything in terms of trying to just progress. Existing. You know, Well, they, they are. You know, They've done it for years. And, and, you know, some people will happily take that. You know, like, like as a Sheffield Wednesday fan, if we were just existing in the Premier League, I'd be fairly happy. But other people, they want to see progress. They want to see at least trying to have a go. Um, you know, you think of like teams like Leicester, who, yeah, all right, they, if they won the title uh, back in 2015, 2016. Um, they they had a couple of seasons where they were bottom half, but then they went and challenged again and managed to get back into Europe. Like Crystal Palace could, if they wanted to, I guess, um, they could try and do something like that and really, 
make a bit of progress and just make it interesting. Because at this moment in time, like they, they literally go into every season and you know at the end of the Premier League campaign, you can all you can just write Crystal Palace twelfth. Like you know they're gonna finish like twelfth or thirteenth. Um so yeah, I, I would like that's why it was put the, the the whole Patrick Vieira thing was was a little bit frustrating because it looked as though they were trending in a positive direction. The underlying process was moving in line with like a Brighton where they were looked like they were going to finish in the top half and maybe could contend for Europe if they maintained that. And that didn't work out. And then they reverted back to Roy Hodgson. He just back to the normal kind of stale, you know what you're going to get. It's going to be not great to watch. They, you know, may, Maybe have a couple of flashes of brilliance and then the rest of it is going to be a fairly dull. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It, it could be a case where Roy Hodgson goes soon and then who do you appoint do you then go for a fresh manager and try and spice things up a little bit and have a little bit of a go especially this season when you've seen the three teams that have come up and how bad they are this is a great opportunity to kind of just just have a go just it's a free hit almost um so yeah that's my frustration with crystal polish i'm sorry for my little mini rant there um but no bet <laughs> yeah the, the steve cooper potential links are interesting the fact that he's hanging on by a thread with nottingham forest is changing places change the results i don't know we'll, we'll see how that situation plays out uh, no bet for me as well <laughs> i just can't find value i'd love to make a bet on palace but I'm, I'm questioning how far out does it need to go or what kind of number needs to be put up in order to make a play with palace on the handicap um we're not there yet it's at plus one at plus 103 i think it needs to shift a little bit further out i don't think it will get there so no bet for me in this game. I, I think it's a little bit of a tricky spot for Liverpool against a team that, you know, history, Palace has played them well in, 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 in recent games. Uh, and we'll see what the former Liverpool manager and Hodgson can do against Klopp this weekend in a game. You're right. They're feeling the heat. They're feeling the pressure. Palace need to perform game at home. Um, good chance to go on and do it against one of the giants of the Premier League. We'll leave that game alone and we'll move it forward to 6th place Manchester United to 15th place Bournemouth. Two of the hottest teams in the Premier League, Jake Osgathorpe. United riding the highs and lows of being, well, the most popular, most talked about club in the world. A 1-0 loss at Newcastle. Could it be an 8-0? It wasn't very good at all, was it? Then you come home and they could have put six or seven past Chelsea and ended up in a much more difficult 2-1 victory, but a much better performance for Manchester United. And now they're only three points back of Man City. 4.04 XG against Chelsea for Manchester United midweek versus just a 0.42 on the weekend. And by the way, only Chelsea has had a higher XG in a game this season. That came against Spurs. So incredible. United get involved, at least providing some sort of attack. Had 28 shots, 18 of those shots coming in the first half of that game. For United, no clean sheets in three. Five wins in their last seven in the Premier League. Still haven't drawn a game this season. When, and that's kind of the reason where, where they sit in the table. 5-0-3 at home. 10 goals scored, 11 conceded. 16.06 XG. 14.414 expected goals against is the second worst in the Premier League at home. Wow. Varane missed out with a quote unquote sore back. Manchester United do play Bayern Munich at home and they absolute must win on Tuesday in the Champions League. Big week for Bournemouth. The 2-2 draw with Villa. Ollie Watkins playing heartbreaker, scoring late in that game at home. Then a 2-0 away win at Palace. Four wins and a draw in their last six in the Premier League. Over that span, by the way, they also beat Newcastle. 
in the last four with three wins and a draw over the course of that. So they're finally starting to play some decent football. They've got over two and a half and eight of 10. Both teams to score in six of eight. Two, one, and four away from home, but both of those two wins were in their last two away games. 18 conceded away from home is the second most. Most. Um, Lloyd Kelly out with a hamstring injury among a pretty significant list of absentees. They, this is a good run of fixtures for Bournemouth as well. Not only the Palace game before, United here at a pretty decent spot, but then they play Luton Town, Forest away, and Fulham ahead. So they can head into the new year on an absolute high. Head to head, United won 3 0 uh, at home and 1 0 away last year. Three wins in a row for United over Bournemouth. So two teams, at least in terms of the form form table, are excelling. Um, what do you make of this game? All of a sudden, this is a pretty compelling one. It really is, yeah. Um, I mean, my big question is, can United back up that performance against Chelsea? Because, I mean, well, from what we've seen so far this season, the answer would be no. They've just lacked all kinds of consistency. You see one flash of good and then two flashes of bad. So I'm very hesitant to make a pro-United play here. In fact, I've got more trust in what I'm going to see from Bournemouth this weekend than I have from United. Um, as you said, they racked up a load of XG against Chelsea, but it could have just been an aberration playing against a Chelsea team that does concede a lot of good chances. Um, before that game, United had averaged just 1.4 expected goals for per game. So to, to go out and rack up over four is a proper one-off. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them revert to that kind of level. Um, like you said, Bournemouth are one of the form teams in the league. They've won four of the last six, 13 points from a possible 18. But not only are the results good, the underlying process has been excellent. So they've actually deserved every single point they've got. Um, and to be fair, they were really unlucky not to beat Villa. They won the XG battle very comfortably last weekend, um, generating over two XG against a good Villa team. They've averaged two expected goals, four per game, and 1.1 against across that six-game span. And I really like them to get a result at Old Trafford. I really do. Um, I'm taking the, the handicap. We've got Bournemouth plus one at plus 101. That's going to be my play. Um, that means, obviously, if Bournemouth avoid defeat, we get a winner. If they lose by a single goal, money back. And I would be shocked if the way in which they're playing right now, the way in which they're defending as well, like I said, that, that expected goals against figure is really impressive. That they go there and get beat by more than two. So I think this is a very, very strong, solid play. And it kind of, I was expecting, we were all wondering when it was going to click into gear for Bournemouth because we'd all seen the promise from Variola over in Spain, what he'd done with Baicano, how he wanted to play, the plays that they brought in kind of suited that system. It was just a case, it was just a matter of when and if they would give him enough time. And I, I, again, I'm going to go back to the fact that there's three really bad teams at the bottom of the league. If it was any other season, he might have gone earlier in the campaign. Mm. But because those teams down there have got so few points and look like they're not going to win as many points as required to stay up, they, then I think they could have, they afforded him extra time. Um, and, you know, that's really paid off because they are looking like a, a potential top half team, the way in which they're playing right now. Yep. I, I like the manager. I like the team. I went preseason in terms of their over, or the, uh, they're over in terms of their total points. Tavernier back in the team. I don't know what it is when he plays. They produce, <laughs> you know, they're, they're still missing some players in the midfield. Scott Adams that they thought they could depend on, but they're, they're doing okay. I don't know what the result's going to be, but the markets have shifted um, with my play. I, I locked it in last night. I heard 
Eric Tenog speak post game about the positioning of Scott McTominay, and they just want him to get forward. And they're just really playing with one holding midfielder with Bruno and, and, and McTominay in front. And it required an incredible amount of work from Garnacho and Anthony in that game to make up for some of the defensive deficiencies. And Chelsea still had plenty of chances. They had an extra over two in that game as well. Over three is the play in this game. I locked it in at minus 107. It's already shifted out on Pinnacle to minus 114. We'll see if it continues to shift. Bournemouth themselves have been an overside eight of their last 10 games as well. United are going to continue to play this way. This is the way that Ten Hag wants them to play. Wide open, exciting, end-to-end stuff. Unfortunately, it just leaves United completely susceptible, especially in the counterattack. And the way that Bournemouth press, I think they can go and score in this game as well. So I don't know who's going to come out on top necessarily. I, I lean to United in this game. But I like there to be goals. So over three at minus 107. Anything, Dad? No, I, I could see it being a, uh, an end-to-end as well. All right. Uh, let's move things forward. It's the game of the weekend as third place Aston Villa hosts top of the table Arsenal in the Unai Emery Derby. Can we, can we say that after his time at Arsenal? I guess we can because his time at Aston Villa is more like his time he spent at Sevilla and Villarreal than anything representing Arsenal. Villa, a 1-0 victory over City. 22 shots, the most against Guardiola's side in 535 games. Just two shots given up and nothing after the 11th minute. They are also played to a 2-2 draw at Bournemouth last weekend with an Ollie Watkins late goal to salvage the point. They are undefeated in their last six in all competitions, only one loss in their last 11 in the Premier League. They've gone over two and a half in five of six in all competitions, and both teams to score in five out of six over that span as well. Villa have won their last 14 Premier League uh, home games, equaling a club record set way back in 1931. Seven wins from seven games at home this season. 24 home goals in seven games, which is three more goals scored than anyone else at home. 17.94 XG to just 6.33 expected goals against, courtesy of Understat. They are legit. As for Arsenal, Declan Rice, 90 plus seven in a 4-3 thriller at Luton Town. Uh, it was a mess. The day was an absolute mess for David Raya. But Declan Rice and company end up pulling this out. Mark Odegaard, by the way, phenomenal in that game as he's been all season. They also won 2-1 over Wolves last weekend. Um, by the way, the Rice goal, it was their latest winning goal away from home since the 06-07 season. More importantly, it was their third game-winning goal in the 89th minute or later. They also had an 86-minute winner against City and an 84th-minute winner against Chelsea. The late show is for real with Arsenal. Six straight wins in all competitions. They've gone over two and a half in four or five. They've been the first to score, by the way, in their last six games. Five, one, and one away from home. Six goals conceded away is the fewest, and they also have the best away expected goals against. Tomiyasu, the latest casualties out long-term with a calf injury. Head-to-head, Arsenal won 4-2 at Villa Park last season, as well as picking up a 2-1 home win against Villa. Arsenal have won four in a row in this matchup. So here we go. Two teams that, for whatever reason, people are still looking at. Is this team legit? 
can they go on and actually do it and go on and win the Premier League? Villa, Arsenal, we can't wait. Where are you leaning in terms of a play in this game, Jake? I'm definitely leaning towards Villa, like without a shadow of a doubt. I think that this Villa train is going to keep on rolling. Uh, they've just, they've been excellent all season long, but especially at home. You know, we, we've said it numerous times now on this podcast that away from home, we have question marks. Um, but at home, they are incredible. Like the, the underlying data they're putting up, obviously the results they're getting. Um, going into the midweek game, my only nagging doubt around them potentially getting a result against Man City was the fact that over this four, what was it, what was 13 games at the time winning streak, they'd not really played anyone of any stature. I think they played three teams that finished in the top eight last season. They played Brighton, Spurs and Newcastle. So they played basically 10 teams that they should have beaten. Um, and they had done. But again, you can only beat what's in front of you. And, and you know, to get on that, that run, that momentum just keeps on rolling, keeps on rolling. Um, but I think what the, the phenomenal stat is that this 14 game winning streak, they've won by an aggregate score of 38 to six. So they've conceded six times in 14 home games, which is bonkers. Um, and yeah, I, I think, I think they'll do it. Like I, I think Villa will, will probably will win. I just looking at the handicap. I think this is the safer place we made. Um, just in case it's, this does end up in a draw. Um, you know, the, the lines at plus a, a quarter at the moment, but I'm going to take it a little bit further. I'm going to take plus a half because we're still getting a good price on that. Minus 123. Um, and yeah, Arsenal, they're an interesting case away. Like they top the away uh, points chart. Um, but if you just look at the results, they've not been massively impressive. Uh, four of their away wins, they've won five. Four of them have come with a single goal margin. The only outlier there is a 4-0 win at Bournemouth, which was a proper, again, aberration in the way which Bournemouth have played since. Um, when they've played against good sides this season away from home, they lost to, or should have lost to Chelsea. They were 2-0 up. Robert Sanchez passed Declan Rice to go at their ball with an open net, basically, to get them back in the game. And they lost at Newcastle. And then if you look at last season, um, they won just once against the top five away from home last season, um, lost twice. So the record when playing against good teams away hasn't been great. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm happy to ride with Villa. I think that, again, you obviously have doubts with the, the toll that that midweek game will have taken on them, but the same could be said for Arsenal. I mean, they were pushed all the way by Luton. They have had an extra day's rest. But I think the way in which Villa and, and Una Emery is managing that squad is excellent. I think I wouldn't be surprised to see a few changes for the weekend and freshen it up a little bit. I won't be surprised to see Diaby coming. I won't be surprised to see Jacob Ramsey starting. Um, just to just to keep the fresh, keep them, well, making them able to play at that high, high octane level and press Arsenal really, really high and, and, and intensely. So, yeah, I, I think that I think the Villa are in a good place to get a result against Arsenal, and I think. I, I could be wrong here. I'm trying to think back to last year, but I think that Arsenal were the last team to beat Villa they are. at Villa Park. Um, it was or that two. weird, weird game where Jorginho had that shot from the edge of the box. Late on, it hit the bar and hit Martinez and went in, if I remember rightly, to make it 3-2 and then Martinelli scored late on. So, you know, that'll be in the back of the heads, um, wanting to wanting to get get a result against the last team that beat them. Um, not that that's obviously the sole motivator for this bet, but everything that, that, that Villa are doing at the moment is turning to gold. And Unai Emery deserves great credit. And I'm sure he would love to beat Arsenal. 
Jake, that's one of what, why you're one of the best in the biz. I, I actually had that in my notes and I did not reference it. Arsenal was the last team that beat Villa at Villa Park in the Unai Emery ties. There's all sorts of stuff going on here. You're right. Villa's the play. I'm going to just go straight up on the handicap. It's actually shifted out to plus 109. Uh, Villa at plus 0.25. So if the game ends in a draw, it's a half win. I, I'm fine making that. I think Villa can win this game outright. With the added insurance and a plus number to go on and win it, I'm going to make my stake one and a half um, units for, for for this one. Yeah. Uh, Mine's one my- and a half as well, I've got to say. Or Arsenal at the Emirates, it's just, it's very difficult to bet against them. Arsenal away from home, I think they're a little bit more susceptible. We'll see what their fullback areas. It looks like that's a position. If Diaby comes in, they can really find some joy against this Arsenal side. Um, and like I said, the, Arsenal have been leaving it late, very late in these games, not taking anything away. They're showing great composure. They're a little bit fortunate to get, get some of the teams that they played, played against and what they've been able to give away. Um, fixtures are building up for Arsenal as well. And Villa, like there's enough in this team. They're pretty deep. The, the, Emery has options in this team to go in and play different players in different scenarios. So Villa at home, it's just not a, I'm, I'm not bidding against them right now. So we're aligned here. Villa on the handicap. You know, you're, you're pushing yours out a little bit further. I'm fine with just taking what is there a plus 109. Decent number. So let's go. Villa can continue, on, continue Villa. to creep up uh, the table. But we're aligned there and we're both convinced yeah. by what we see. Away from home, Villa, in terms of projections, has some work to do. But at home, uh, they've been as good as it gets. Uh, let's move Imagine to- if they win. There'd be one point behind Arsenal, Do you know which is they still, they still need to play the great Manchester United before the year <laughs> is out. So they will drop some yeah. points. It's just probably not going to be this week. Let's see how things go. <laughs> uh, Sunday, it's 18th place Everton taking on 10th place Chelsea. At the time of recording, Everton haven't played their match on Thursday where they played Newcastle at home. But they did beat Nottingham Forest 1-0 last weekend away from home. Four wins and a draw in their last six overall. It's just that points deduction that puts them in 18th. Four wins and a draw in their last seven Premier League games. Home, Their home form has been the thing that's been problematic. Goodison Park won 1-5 ahead of Thursday. Just five goals scored at home, despite, according to Understat, having an XG of 14.7. They're just completely underachieving. And they actually have an 8.79 expected goals against, which is a decent number. The the underlying numbers are okay at home, just the results, not so much. Four points and their expected points, courtesy of Understat, 13.1 at home. That's a huge difference. Onana has been the big miss with a calf injury. He's close. We'll see if he can go this weekend. If he does, he's a real weapon for this team in central midfield. Chelsea, outplayed by United in a 2-1 loss at Old Trafford. They did beat Brighton. They held on to win 3-2 after they had Connor Gallagher sent off in that game. Chelsea, 2-2-3 in their last seven in the Premier League. Another case where Mopo, Maurizio Pochettino, just doesn't get the heat that a manager like Eric Ten Hag does when his team is underachieving for what they have. Yes, they had an injury crisis, but 10th place... 19 points in 15 games, just nowhere near good enough. No clean sheet in five for Chelsea. 
They played to over two and a half in their last five. Both teams of scores played in their last five. Three, one, and three away. Uh, they have scored in their last five away games and they're second overall in away expected goals. Uh, Lavian and Cuckoo still working their way back when they will play. It's got to be in the next week or two. Head to head, Chelsea with a 1 0 win at Goodison Park last season and a 2 2 draw at the bridge. These two teams have played to under two and a half in five of six, but the way they play this season, both teams completely different. So Everton and Chelsea, not knowing how they, they fare on Thursday, is there still enough data? Is there still enough here to make a play in this game? Um, I, I mean, maybe for some people, for me, no. And it's not Everton that's putting me off. It's Chelsea. Just don't have a clue what you're going to get with them week in and week out. No, you really don't. You know, they were awful against Newcastle, much better against Brighton, terrible against Manchester United. It is just a guessing game really as to, as to who you're going to get, which Chelsea's going to turn up with the real Chelsea, please stand up. Um, yeah, not not. I, I just don't have any confidence in in what I'm going to get from a consistency basis to to inform a betting selection really. So, no bet for me. Um, I was leaning towards maybe Everton on the handicap, but I again I want to see them play tonight. I want to see how they deal with the with with um, Newcastle at home before making a play. Um, as you said, the home form is rubbish. The performance is good. Newcastle at home with their injury uh, with their injuries it seems like a decent opportunity to get a three points if they were to beat Newcastle obviously the price would contract for this weekend but I probably would be more confident in making a pro than play um but yeah I just too many question marks about Chelsea to to go in at this stage so full disclosure I do have a play on Everton against Newcastle on the handicap um plus 0.25 at minus 110 I think it's a good spot Newcastle exceptionally banged up still. Uh, I think it's a big game for Everton. But these quick turnarounds is something that they haven't really had to deal with this season. Two big games in, in close succession. I think Chelsea, that extra day off, what we've seen um, over the course of, of games this season, that extra day has helped teams largely. And I think that Chelsea need to kind of bounce back with with, with more of a statement performance to get Gallag- Gallagher back in the team. Like Cole Palmer playing in that number 10 role, it just, it just didn't work. They had, you know, Mudrick for me, nowhere near good enough. You can take them off, bring in Gallagher. They're a much different team. If Everton win tonight or come away with some kind of result, I think this number can shift out a little bit more. So if you want to back Chelsea in this game, maybe kind of hold off to see how this game starts. I'm, I'm, you might get more value. If you like the number as is, then I wouldn't you know, detract you from making a play. I will be making a play Chelsea on the handicap minus 0.25. So if it's a draw, it's a half loss at minus 103. Um, Chelsea just, at least on paper, they, they should be the better side in this game. I think they, they can be short turnaround for Everton. Uh, so give me Chelsea in this one on the handicap. So do you have a feel? I, I know that the game's going to be done by the time this podcast comes out, but that Everton Newcastle plays one that jumped off the page for me. I just I said, Newcastle away from home with so many injuries is just. I, I like this Everton side. I think it's going to be a really competitive game on the weekend. Yeah, it should be a competitive game. It'd be a good game. Um, it is just a case of, <laughs> yeah, I, I just too many question marks around Chelsea. I definitely have, have it taken them at Newcastle. 
to get a, re a positive result and then performing like that, I just don't have any trust in them. And, and I also had a small play on them last night at Manchester United, which again, just no shows. I, I just even even like you said that you made a good case for them. I still just can't get on board, unfortunately. Yeah, Gallagher needs to play. Reese James needs to play from the start. They need some width in that team and some help in central midfield. So we'll see if that's the case on the weekend at Goodison Park. Finally, our fifth and final game of our feature five. It's fifth place Spurs taking on seventh place Newcastle. Both teams do play it Thursday after recording. Uh, Spurs play West Ham, Newcastle away to Everton. Spurs are coming off the wild 3-3 draw at City. I don't know how they pulled it off, really. Ending a run of three successive defeats. They played four players at the back who were all fullbacks. They were the fullback back four, and they still came away with a point playing at the Etihad. Kulisevsky, great goal in the 90th minute. Um, and they get Christian Romero back into the team to help with that defensive crisis on Thursday. And if he doesn't well, get suspended we, yeah. again, we'll... I was going to say, <laughs> he might get suspended again for the weekend. As of right now, <laughs> he'll be playing on the weekend. Uh, Son scored again. He has nine goals in 14, despite just a 5.23 XG. Jake that did some really good work and explained Son and his goal-scoring form on a previous podcast this season. No clean sheet in five for Spurs. Both teams have scored in their last five. They've been the first to score in their last eight, but they haven't won in their last four. They're mid-table in terms of their expected goals and expected goals against overall. Eight goals conceded at home for Spurs in six games, but they do have an 11.56 expected goals against. They've lost their last two at home, uh, one against Chelsea, one against Villa. Uh, Sars expected back Thursday as well, returning from injury. As for Newcastle, it was an impressive 1-0 home win over Manchester United. Their home form has been dominant, but it did come as a did come at a cost as Nick Pope um, was lost through a shoulder injury. He's going to be out for months. Matty Target adds to that very lengthy injury list and list of absentees. No losses in three for Newcastle, and they played to under two and a half and five of six. Three away in the Premier League, um, their last three away in the Premier League before the game against Everton at Goodison Park. 2-2 two -two draw against West Ham, 2-2 two -two draw against Wolves, and a 2-0 loss to Bournemouth. Not the best competition and conceding twice in their last three away games. One, two, and three away from home in the Premier League. They're fourth in expected goals and second best in expected goals against overall. Uh, they're still waiting on Longstaff, Wilson, and Willick, all closing in on a return, but I can't say for sure they'll be back this weekend. They do play Wednesday at home in a must-win against AC Milan as well. Head-to-head, -head, Newcastle won 2-1 in this fixture last season and smashed Spurs 6-1 at home. Spurs no clean sheet, uh, clean sheets in eight in this fixture. Newcastle no clean sheets in seven. They've gone over two and a half in their last five, and both teams to score has played in their last seven. So it's a little bit more tricky with both these teams playing after the, the podcast uh, is being recorded. I do have a play in this game. Do you have a play in this game? I want to hear yours first. Backing Spurs to not be Spursy in this one uh, on the handicap as well. I'm just sticking with the handicap at minus 0 0.25. The context 
Back to back away games for Newcastle is tricky. The fact that they haven't even been making substitutions. Like they just there's zero depth in this in this Newcastle team. They've got six goalkeepers on the bench. I wouldn't make any subs either. (laughs) It's it's just, it's it's unbelievable what they're going through. I think that they're a little bit more galvanized at home than they are away. At plus 111, and you have the insurance of a half loss if they end up drawing this game. I'm guessing Newcastle are going to have to play at KG and close. Um, And I'm making, I'm locking in this bet before. Newcastle play at Everton because who knows who they might lose in that game through injury and the number might shift out even further. For me, this is a great spot to bet on Spurs. Back-to-back home games versus back-to-back away. Newcastle's away form has been choppy at best. Must-win game in the Champions League on Wednesday. This game is screaming bet Spurs in this one, and that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, I, I'm, I don't want to, but I'm agreeing with you. Um, Thanks, pal. I like Newcastle. You know, you know, I like Newcastle. Uh, it's nothing personal. Um, I like Newcastle. I agree with you. Away from home, they are a different team, especially with the way things are in terms of the squad at the moment. They do absolutely feed off the fans when they're playing at St James's Park. They played unbelievably well at home. Away from home, very, very questionable performances and results, shall we say? Um, and yeah, Tottenham—they're getting closer to not not quite full. They're getting nearer a full full strength team and squad. And, you know, you've seen Richarlison back to fitness. He's coming off the bench now. Obviously, Romero's back in, which means that they've got an extra fullback that they can use at fullback if they need to. He's been <laughs> um, great, by the way. He's been on oh, sensational form. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's been good. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely, especially, like you said, Newcastle playing at Everton in Liverpool on... Thursday, then going back up to Newcastle, then going down to London. All that travel, Spurs, home game, back-to-backs, Thursday, Sunday, um, without a midweek game to worry about. So I'm definitely with you in the sense that I think Tottenham are in a good spot to get a positive result. But I'm just going to just going to take them to win. Um, Spurs win at plus 140. It's a bigger number than I was expecting, to be fair. And, and it kind of shows the market respects Newcastle. But in this case, I think they've respected them a little bit too much. I think Spurs should be a little bit shorter. And I think that everyone needs to remember that, like you said, Newcastle have got basically 13 players and they've played Tuesday, Saturday, Thursday, Sunday, and then they play again on Wednesday. Like there's only so much running those 13 players can do before, before they pass out. And And the way in which Newcastle play. Gordon got banged up last weekend as well. And Almiron hasn't been completely fit. And Isak hasn't been completely fit. And they're playing a 17 year old in central midfield. I can make a million reasons why, you know, I'm going to make this, this bet one and a half units as well. I just, let's just hope Spurs don't go all Spursy on me. That's, that's always the danger with betting Spurs, but I'm going to back them here. So, you're going to go with the outright. Yeah. So for, for me, just that little bit of insurance at plus 111 is me, has me, you know, I, I have no problem betting Spurs to win this game, but that little bit of insurance still in a decent plus number on the handicap. That, that's something I'm going to take. Yeah. I, I'm, I think the other just final factor, I know we've talked about the fixture list, but we're talking about a Premier League game where after this match, there's going to be another 22 matches to be able to claw back a deficit into the top four. Yeah. Wednesday provides them with one chance to get through the Champions League. 
Like if I'm Eddie Howe, I know which game I'm prioritising. Yeah. And it's that home game against AC Milan with an admittedly slim chance of qualifying for the Champions League or even finishing in the Europa League spot. Because you've got another 20 games to, you know, to really relentlessly hit the Premier League, hit it, hit it, hit it. Um, so I, I 100% could see, not obviously he's got no players to rotate because they're all injured, but I could tell, I could, you could see them maybe just reining in a little bit and conserving a little bit of energy, which might lead to um, quite a, a bit of success for Spurs. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, on, I'm on board with you about Tottenham winning, but like you said, I'm just taking the, uh, the straight up win. All right. Uh, brilliant. Let's hope that for all of us that uh, that play comes to fruition. Let's go rapid fire quickly through the remaining five games. 13th place Wolves against 16th place Nottingham Forest. And Steve Cooper's being given at least one more game to try to turn things around for Nottingham Forest coming off a 5-0 loss at Fulham, four straight losses and five losses in six for Forest. Wolves and Forest, do you have a play in this one? Gimme, gimme, Wolves. Minus 114. Uh, I think this is a cracking bet. Uh, I really do. I like Wolves, the way in which they're trending. Um, their home form in particular has caught the eye. They're unbeaten in five. Uh, they've won three of those, but they've actually played um, four of the current top six in that time. Um, and yeah, the underlying process in those matches are have been very, very impressive. Um, yeah, City, Villa, Newcastle, Spurs have played across those five games. They've won three of those, drawn two. Um, and yeah, Forest. It is you're getting closer to last chance saloon, isn't it, for Steve Cooper, you would imagine. Um, again, he might be one of those where there's three worst teams, so they might hold off from sacking him. But away from home since promotion, it has been abysmal for Forrest. 19 defeats in 27 away games. Uh, they've won just two, which is Boba. So yeah, Wolves to win, minus 114, one and a half unit for me. There's some crazy Wolves stats. Like I didn't see this coming this year. I just it's it's one of the few teams that I just completely got a wrong read on. He Chen Huang has eight goals. Neto hasn't played for like how long? And he's eight assists. It's just it's 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 wild some of the numbers that they're putting up. I have a different play. Both teams to score, yes, at minus 114. Let's just check to make sure that it's still there. Uh Wolves, both teams to score are played in nine of ten. It's desperate stuff for Nottingham Forest. They need to come out and be able to attack in this game. They've been a reliable overside five in their last four games as well. A lot of that has to do with them conceding. But um, at minus, I think it's at minus 114. Let me just check and see. At least it was. Yeah, minus 114. Um, A full unit play on that one. Both teams to score yes for this one. Um... The Battle of the Bees, 8th place Brighton against 19th place Burnley, who I backed last week, who gave me, finally, a home win for Burnley, a nice little victory for for me last weekend. And Brighton, incredibly, have scored in 31 consecutive Premier League games, the fourth team to score in more than 30 games in a row. Both teams to score has played in every game this season and 19 straight overall dating back to last season. My sweethearts are back in terms of their goals scored and goals conceded. Uh, are you looking in that direction for this one? Because I certainly am. <laughs> I am, yeah. But I'm going to chance a big price and go Woo! with Brighton to win and both teams to score, uh, which is at plus 213, wow, which I can't really? quite believe given, yeah, given Brighton's um, 
Obviously, Brighton's price just to win the game is minus 197. Um, and both teams to score, both teams have scored in every single Brighton game this season, which is, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's trimmed it a little bit, plus one, uh, plus 210 now for a, a Brighton win and both teams to score. And I think the main kind of selling point for me is that Brighton, they've, they've dropped points against teams they shouldn't have dropped points against, but they all kind of have stuff in common, like, for, um, like Sheffield United, um, Who's the other one? West Ham, Fulham. They all kind of went to the Amex and parked the bus a little bit and tried to frustrate Brighton. Burnley won't do that. Burnley don't change their approach for anybody. They will leave Brighton space to exploit them. And I think Brighton will have more than enough firepower um, to, to, to blow Burnley away. And, and as we've said, defensively, they just remain very suspect, Brighton. They always give you a few chances. So I, I was happy to take a, a play on a bigger price there. Yeah, um, I was actually going to do both teams to score and the over two and a half, but I'll follow your lead for that extra juice at plus 210 because uh, the both teams to score and the over two and a half comes in at plus 108. I think Brighton are the better team here. Burnley's lost three straight away. They're an over team as well. Burnley's played to over two and a half in eight of their last 10 games. And I know that Brighton are dealing with some injury issues. They play a game in the Europa League next week against Marseille. I believe it's at home and it's to win the group. If they don't, there's, they're already through. They're already advancing. But they're finding these young like Hinshelwood with the another teenager with the with the match winner in the, in, in the game against Brentford. Coming off the bench for them last game. Uh, Motor's back, by the way. Um, and Matomo is back in the team uh, midweek. But Milner, Motor, Ferguson, Veltman. Like, those are good players. So despite not having Fatty and Lampy and, and, and Welbeck and, and in Cisco, like they've done well and they've built up some good depth with young players. So I, I still think that they're going to be okay. I rate this Brighton side. Uh, they will concede, but man, they still look really good in attack. So same bet as you for that one. 20th place Sheffield United against 11th place Brentford and Chris Wilder back on the Sheffield United bench this weekend. The question is for an absolutely awful team, will it make a difference whatsoever? I don't think so, but I I do at the same time think Brentford are a little bit short at minus 128 for the win. Um, I think, you know, Sheffield United, they've conceded quite a few goals from set pieces of late. Brentford could hurt them from that avenue. So I might, you know, I'm not going to play anything at the moment, but I might look at maybe a, a bigger price centre half goal scorer or something like that at the weekend. Um, but yeah, for me, it's a no bet. Um, even you know, I'd be, I'd be shocked if Chris Wilder kept them up given that squad. Yeah, um, I'm going to play the overs here. There might be a response from Chris Wilder. They're playing at home. Uh, well liked at the club. This has been an overside Sheffield United over two and a half and six of eight. No clean sheets in twelve. So absolutely, Brighton Brentford can get at them. Um, and Bomo coming off after he scored midweek is a concern. Uh, he's put up ten goals and five assists his last eighteen Premier League games. Like Ivan Tony's coming back as well. I'm just checking what the number is. I have over two and a half at minus one fourteen. Um, minus 112. Is now. it minus 112? So it's going, yeah, I'll take that full unit play in that one. So take the overs for that game. 17th place, Luton Town, which all of a sudden is difficult. It's a challenging place to go. Well, they welcome fourth place Man City to town. So they go Liverpool, Arsenal, City, 
back-to-back-to-back home fixtures for Luton Town. Um, they haven't lost, well, all of these Luton Town home games have been decided by a goal or less this season, yet they can't keep, a, can't keep a clean sheet. Haven't had a clean sheet in 18 games overall. And City, I mean, it's well documented, their struggles at Aston Villa. Pep Guardiola, his team is winless in their last three Premier League games, equaling the longest run without a league victory under Pep Guardiola. Last time it happened was back in 2017. I'm expecting an emphatic response from City this weekend. I'm not sure about you, but that's kind of where I'm leaning for this one. Emphatic could be in multitude of different ways. Uh, it could be It could be a 6-0 thrashing. It could be a 2-0 win. That's more room control and more what we've seen in recent years. I'm taking Luton on the handicap. I think that handicap's too big. And I think it's very disrespectful to Luton, given the performances they've put in against the big teams so far. I know the XG totals haven't been very good in those matches and they should have lost by more. But they, their goalkeeper is fantastic. He's having one of the best seasons. Um, or he's having a great season in the Premier League so far. Um, and like you said, they've only lost by a single goal margin in, in, in their, their home defeats. The home process is not terrible. They're, they're creating 1.4 expected goals for a home game. So I expect them to get on the score sheet. And then if they get on the score sheet, Man City have to score four for this bet to lose. So, um, yeah, I'm taking Luton plus two point a quarter, two and a two point a quarter, two and a quarter, which is, is huge. Like, when do you ever see a home team with a two and a quarter head yep. start? Very uh, rare. Just imagine what the handicap is going to be at the Etihad. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's two and a quarter. Oh. It's done that for a reason. And it's about time. It's been a while. Head to head. Oh, head, head to head. Poor Jake has been thoroughly dominant this season. Like, look, Lockyer dealing with a back injury. I'm not sure if he's going to be back. Kabore can't play against his parent club. It's going to be a difficult one. Rodri's back in the team. They haven't lost in 43 consecutive games. Rodri's featured. It's just, Doku should be back as well. I'm... I mean, it's time to heap on the pain and take out some frustration. Instead of Pep taking aim at Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher, how boring is that? How get your team to play an actual team on the field and go in and thrash them? Bournemouth can't be the only team that City go in and thrash every time. Like, Luton Town's ripe for the picking here. They conceded four to Arsenal. How many are City going to score? City minus two and a quarter at plus 103. Let's go. And a head-to-head victory, hopefully in my favor, against Jake. <laughs> how, how do you want to do the head-to-head? Because obviously it's, it's, a, it's two and a quarter. Like, Are you willing to give me an extra quarter there? Sure. Yeah, So you sure. sit you win by three, yeah? Done. Done. Oh, okay. God. I've seen you coming there. I've seen you coming. Extra quarter goal as well. <laughs> Looking forward to that 6-1. 6-1 one lead on the head-to-heads. <laughs> Uh, and finally, 12th place Fulham against 9th place West Ham. Fulham has scored three or more goals in three consecutive Premier League games for the first time. Royal Jimenez, <laughs> the Mexican international, has woken up from the dead three goals in four games. He had three goals in his previous 47 goals. Of course, West Ham plays Spurs on Thursday. Um, do you have a final play in this one? Um, I'm going to take the over two and a half, uh, minus 114. Like you said, Fulham have found a bit of attacking form since the break, created loads of chances, scored loads of goals, still conceding chances. Um, and West Ham, so before the game against uh, Spurs, they've hit overs in 10 of 14, 
also welcome back Jared Bowen last week. And I think that th- this could be quite an interesting game. So, yeah, overs, full unit, minus 114. I don't think that Fulham is this much of a better team than West Ham, like the market's showing here. I think West Ham are just as good, maybe even better than this Fulham side. I know that they have an extra uh, day rest, but I mean, is there going to be that much of a difference in this game? Uh, West Ham, aside from Mikel Antonio, by the way, are completely fully fit as well. So give me West Ham, draw no bet at plus 120. Plus 120 for a draw no bet. Uh, there's something like kudos to Fulham, but Tim Ream's still their center back. I still, I still look at this team. I'm just, they're a decent enough side, but they're not that much better than West Ham. I don't even think they're a better side than West Ham. So yeah, West Ham draw no bet. Give me that all day. Full unit play at plus 122, Jake. That just seems a good number for me. Seems big. So, all right. Uh, Anything else to add? Any favorite bets this week? Um, favorite bet is probably Wolves to win. I think they're, I think they're cooking at the moment, especially at Molyneux and the way in which Forrest have performed away that, that price looks too big at the moment. Minus 114. Spurs, Newcastle context. We laid it out. Spurs, uh, are the play on the handicap in this one at a plus number. Uh, yeah. seems like the most salient, the best play of the week to be made. Follow along at Jake Oz for all of his fine work. Myself at Gareth Wheeler at Gareth dot Wheeler on Instagram. We'll be back next week to break it all down. We have Champions League, Europa League and Conference League fixtures in between plenty of football as we head into the holiday season. And for us, we're in the business of giving gifts of correct picks and making profit on a weekly basis. Good stuff this week, Jake. We'll do it all again next week. Nice one. Enjoy. Come on, Luton. Good luck on your plays. Come on, United. (laughs) Come on, City. (laughs) For this weekend and one weekend. On behalf of Jake and everyone at Pinnacle, I am Gareth Wheeler. This has been EPL Insights for Game Week 16.